Hello, and welcome to Rough Edges. I'm your host, Sarah Fox. In this podcast, I will guide you through my faith and mental health journey to dispel the stigma surrounding mental illness and to create a voice for those who wish to discover more about these topics. This podcast will not only shed light on mental health issues, but will also reveal the intersection between faith and mental illness. I pray that these themes will bring growth and healing to our communities. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Rough Edges. I am joined by a very special guest who is a dear friend of mine, and she is also a role model for me in many ways. I have here with me Marilette Sanchez. So Marilette is a wife and a mother of five young kids first, but put some coffee and a pen in her hand and she is unstoppable. She and her husband Moses work for the Christian nonprofit organization Crew, working alongside marriages and families. A New York City native, Marilette is known for her transparency and her ability to inter- in- inject her love of pop culture into her discussions of relationships and marriage. Follow her parenting and homeschooling journey on Instagram at Big City Big Family and her musings on womanhood and pop culture at MarilettSanchez.com and ThinkChristian.net. Welcome, Marilette. So happy to have you. Thanks for having me. This is an honor. Awesome. So I just wanted to um, talk about a little bit more about yourself and what kind of drives you to get out of bed in the morning. I mean, you said it in my bio, coffee. <laughs> to get out of bed. I look forward to that every morning. But I think of how I start my day. I like to um, spend some time worshiping the Lord through music. That really um, gets me out of bed in the mornings. Like, okay, I get to spend time with the Lord, my Savior, and um, yeah, just it just centers me to do that. So, as you can imagine, a life of um, being a mom of five, it just is, it's chaotic. Like once that day starts and that first kid wakes up, so I like to wake up early and have that quiet time alone. Um, And thankfully my husband Moses, he takes care of breakfast so I can like focus Mm -hmm. on that for the first like chunk of my morning. So um, I also love to write what you wrote, which you read in the bio, so that also gives me life. I feel like it helps me like process life, if that makes sense. I like to, I like to write as a way to um, just process what I'm going through and what I'm thinking about. So, and thankfully it, it also helps me connect with others through social media and things like that. So. Awesome. So um, I usually do a segment called highs and lows for the week. So okay. do you have any like highs and lows for this past week? Yeah, I mean, it was Thanksgiving week, right? So I got to spend that with my two sisters and our mentors who are in Virginia. So, um, yeah, it was a really fun time with friends and family. And so that would definitely be my high. It was just a time to kind of recharge by doing that. A low, this is, (laughs) I got to think about this one. Um, Yeah, just, I mean, let me think about it. Um, If you don't have any lows, that's okay, too. Yeah, I can't think of anything right now, if that's okay. 
Yeah, that's totally fine. So um, for me, it was Thanksgiving week, and I got to spend time with my family and eat lots of good food. Um, so that was really amazing. And then for the lows, I'm not really sleeping well at night, so I need to get into a better sleeping pattern. Um, but yeah, that's it for me. Um, so you're a mother of five beautiful children. And so what are the most challenging and most rewarding aspects of motherhood for you? Yeah, I think, I mean, challenging is just the amount of like energy that they drain from you. So my kids are, the oldest is nine and then the next is seven, six, five, two. Yeah, I got it. I got it all. (laughs) So it's just high energy all the time. So I think the challenge is just like having enough energy to like entertain them throughout the whole day. Um, before just like you're like I just need some time alone to recharge um but so that's the challenge is like and and I think also like discipline is a challenge when you have so many different personalities um I feel like you kind of have to customize it for each kid because the the thing that worked for one kid is not going to work for another kid so it's that's the challenge you're always shifting gears um but the rewarding thing is just watching them develop and like grow and like seeing them like um, at, at our co-op, we do presentations. Um, so it's just teaching them public speaking at our homeschool co-op because we homeschool and just seeing them like grow, go from like, okay, I'm shy and I'm not going to do anything to like really like speaking, speaking to their friends and like um, kind of answering, answering questions that their, their classmates have. Um, just little things like that where you get to see let them grow into their own. So, yeah, it's also fun to do this with my best friend and partner, Moses. Like, to have a partner to do that with is definitely so helpful. And yeah. I could not do it alone. So, yeah, that and that is definitely one of the most rewarding aspects of motherhood just to see, like, you know, your kids grow and then to see their personalities come out in so many different exactly. ways. It's yep. just so beautiful. They say something funny and you're like, that really came out of their mouths. <laughs> <laughs> like a little old person. So, yeah, like even with my two-year-old, she'll say these phrases and I'm just like, how do you even know that? Like, how do you know to put a sentence <laughs> together like that? But, right. <laughs> so it's fun. awesome. Yeah, so... um so how did you and Moses really get into ministry? Um, was it always something that you've wanted to do or was it something that came along the way? Yeah, so we met in college. We were both doing high school ministry, um, just volunteering. Well, he was an intern. I was a volunteer and he's two years ahead of me. Um, so he had been doing it for a little bit longer than I had. But that's how we met, actually, and how we became friends and eventually started dating. Um, but. I think for me, I saw ministry as just like an extra thing that you do. Like I compartmentalized career and ministry. Mm-hmm. So I never would have thought I'd be doing this as like a vocational vocational ministry where you do it full time. But when we were um, engaged, they really wanted the, the higher ups within crew. They really encouraged us to do it as a couple because it wasn't just a regular nine to five. Like you're mentoring like on the weekends and doing Bible studies like in the off hours, um, like in the evenings or in the afternoons. And you just can't um, 
yeah I forgot my my train of thought but like they wanted you to do it together as a couple so yeah when you got when you get married do it as a couple um so I think the rules have changed a bit now they they've kind of relaxed on those rules but in that in that time it was like it was really I I wrestled with that was like I I don't know if I want if I want to do this like full time like I had my own dreams to write I wanted to be an entertainment journalist like maybe write for like People Magazine or like Rolling Stone. Like I really wanted to do that. So it was like a sacrifice for me to to come on staff. And um, it really was like, uh, it was like obedience. Like I knew the Lord was calling me to do it, even though it was a risk. Um, but I haven't had any regrets since we've done it. Like I feel like it is my heart and soul to, to mentor and to pour into others. So I really love doing it. And I've been able to write as well like through my blog i've been able to do that through freelancing so i feel like i've come full circle of like i get to do a lot of things that i love to do while you know because i'm on staff and there's a flexibility there as well as being a mom like i feel like sometimes with a journalist schedule like it's it would be tough to be a mom because you're so busy but with crew like there's a lot of flexibility to our schedule so i get to homeschool and yeah just raise our kids get to stay at home for most of the time and you know I still do stuff outside of the home but for the bulk of my time I'm allowed to just be home with the kids which I'm really grateful for yeah it's interesting how you kind of get the best of both worlds where you still have part of like your original dream where you wanted to write and then you also have motherhood and ministry so you kind of have like a good well-rounded like areas that you do it took years to get to that sweet spot but i feel like (laughs) a good spot now yeah awesome so like tell me a little bit more about your blog like i'm an avid reader like i (laughs) love it so um for for those people who don't know like what inspired you to create it and what goals do you have for its future growth yeah so i I just wanted a space where I could talk about my love of pop culture. (laughs) Like I love movies and music and just, yeah, pop culture is, is my, my jam. So, (laughs) um, yeah, I just wanted, it was just for me to like have an outlet. That's how I started it. I wasn't thinking like, I didn't have any huge plans for it. Like, let me have like a million followers or whatever it is. Like I just wanted an outlet. And so, yeah. And a place to like, you know, I was in the, I feel like when I started it, or at least like really started taking it seriously was when I was a new mom and I was just like, I can't do the change diapers all day. Like, that's just not me. Like I need something Mm -hmm. to like intellectually stimulate me. Like, and so that's why I started writing. And also like I was doing youth ministry at the time. And so it was just a way for me to like comment on the latest movie that's out or the latest pop, pop music that's out and be like, oh, you know, if you want to know my thoughts about it, just read my blog and I'll just pass it on to the the youth that I was reaching out to. So that was kind of why I wanted to start. It was just an outlet for me. Like it was fun. And also um, just a way to, it's another way to do youth ministry. That's kind of how I started. And so it's just grown. I feel like if you just stay consistent at it, I feel like things tend to grow. Like you tend to attract people that kind of um track with you so um yeah like over the years just staying consistent has helped me build up a following on there and um yeah and then I don't know if you want to talk about this but when I feel like I really like blew 
blew up was when I wrote about Wonder Woman from yeah. like a Christian perspective. And then that that was like really fun to see that all these strangers like commenting and things, but it was also really tough because it was the first time I got like the real trolls and the haters. And oh. <laughs> it was really, t- it was a yeah roller coaster ride for me. But that's when I knew like I'm doing something like bigger here. Like this is not just the people that I know, like yep. this is expanding beyond the people that I know. So that was that was an interesting time, <laughs> time of growth for me. So, yeah, talk a little bit more about the Wonder Woman article. I mean, like, what was the process in you writing that? Like, did you have any like nervousness as you were publishing it? Like, did you not know what the response was going to be? Like, how, yeah. how was that? Yeah, of all the things I've written, I was not thinking that that would be controversial. I was just writing about <laughs> right. how women are meant to be more than just sidekicks and we have a bigger purpose to us. And so I'm like, I wasn't thinking that people were going to argue against this, but there's just a whole crowd out there that wants to keep women down and like mm-hmm. have very old fashioned views of what a woman looks like. And so, yeah, I was not expecting anything. I literally was just like, I want to write about this movie. This movie made me cry and <laughs> <laughs> write about this movie. So yeah, I was not expecting any of the backlash. Yeah, um, honestly, that article was one of many that actually changed my life. And it's even interesting how we met. Like, we met through your blog. Like, when I was in high school, I was like, I want to start my own blog, too. So (laughs) it's kind (laughs) of just amazing how, you know, your blog has definitely touched my life. And it has touched many other lives as well. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you. Thanks for saying that. I forget that that was kind of our early connection. Yeah. through, Through that. Yeah, so um, can you? So we're gonna switch gears a little bit. Um, can you tell me about your mental health journey? Yeah, I was in the hospital for ten days, but I had my first manic episode, and I think what caused that, like what my psychiatrist said, caused that was acute stress, um, and I I just think back to that time. It was the middle of a pandemic. There was all this racial trauma going on, and um, my dad was sick. He since passed away, but he was sick with um, a bone marrow disorder. And so this is the prime of the pandemic. And I'm just like worried about his health, you know, with COVID and everything. And so there was ministry, which I feel like everybody was going through a stressful time. So here I am trying to minister to people and like taking on all their burdens and like not, yeah, just doing a really poor job at self-care at that time like unloading on my, you know, unloading with people that I trust. And, um, you know, even now I think back of like diet and exercise probably would have helped me like de-stress, like only looking back, do I see like how that is, that affects you so much. And so, um, yeah, that was just a really scary time when I, when I went through that, I was, like I said, I was at the hospital for 10 days. My husband and I, we had to send our kids off to some church friend's house um, so mm-hmm. that Moses could come visit me at the at the hospital every day. So I didn't I didn't see my kids for 10 days, which was probably the toughest part of that was like, mm-hmm. it's not like they can go visit you at the hospital. And, you know, in the middle of the pandemic, you only get like one, one right. visitor. Um, so it was it was a tough time. And so but that was the beginning of my like realizing like, wow, I'm I don't take care of my mental health at all. Like I just, Mm. as a minister, like I just take on everything from other people and I don't know how to, yeah, just de-stress from it all. And so, yeah, that has started my journey to want to help 
educate other people about mental health and um, to just continue to prioritize my own um, my own mental health, my own like self care journey. So, yeah. Any any follow up questions? I feel like. <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't know if you mind talking about this, but what was your um diagnosis? Yeah, it was a pi- bipolar one disorder. Yeah, I have the same one actually. Um, okay. And so the reason why I um wanted to start something like this is because, as you said before, it's like we don't prioritize mental health, and it's like a lot of the times we think that we can take on a whole bunch of things and just be strong, especially as women. It's like uh-huh. we have that added pressure of like I have to be strong for my family, for my friends, and not really focus on the fact that we do need to de-stress and we need to decompress especially after traumatic experiences Mm -hmm. so like can you tell me about your experience with bipolar disorder like with mania or depression or anything like that yeah I don't think I've had much depression so it's actually not a you don't have to have depression to have bipolar one you really only need um mania and so, like, I knew nothing about mania when, when that happened to me. So, as you can imagine, like, I'm just, like, I mean, my husband is, like, what's going on? <laughs> like, yeah. this is not, something's not right. And so, yeah, for me, I my mania was just, like, the first couple days was just insomnia. Like, literally, I could go up of, like, a two-hour nap. Like, mm. I could, and I had high energy. Like, I was not, like, oh, groggy because I didn't sleep. No, I was, like like top of the world like yeah. on cloud nine and so I had yeah I had insomnia for six days before I went to the hospital um mm. and then yeah I just remember feeling like invincible um like I read about it now and and I I realize it's normal for you know someone with bipolar disorder to feel that way but yeah when you're when you're going through mania you're just like I just want to be here forever <laughs> like, yeah exactly feels so good like you're like oh I've never been happier like yeah but then I started like I don't I don't remember everything that I was saying but I started to just not make sense like they yeah. called it that part of my diagnosis was also psych- psychosis where you you're you break break with reality like you're not in touch with reality anymore so I was just saying crazy things to Moses and um yeah there was a, actually a, a, a so people from my church were praying for me because we didn't know if it was just like something spiritual happening because you know right. even in the Philippines um, stuff like that actually does happen like things where you need an exorcism like my mm. pastor, my mom's pastor like he he has experience with that and so he came over and was praying for me but and they prayed for me like all night before I went to the hospital. Um, but it just like wasn't really helping I don't think like and there was this there was a part during during that night where I I blacked out like I don't have a memory of it at all mm-hmm. like everything else I can remember like it was everything else is like it was almost an out-of-body experience because you're like saying things that you're like where did that come from right but at the same time you're still conscious that you're doing it but there was like part of that night that I just don't remember and it's not like I went to sleep or anything so yeah so that's yeah mania is you could read up about it but it is just an interesting experience like nothing nothing can compare to it yeah as you were describing your um manic episode it just brought me back to like mine because it's just I had a little bit of psychosis too And so it was just that break from reality. But like you said, you were conscious. 
So it's it's not like you didn't totally like feel out of it. It's just like you were there, but you just weren't making much sense. And that's because you had a disconnect. So, um, yeah, even for me, like mania was just like high energy all the time. Like I also did a lot of goal setting. So I would set stuff for like five years into the future. And like, I just wrote a whole bunch of stuff, a whole bunch of article ideas. Like it was just, I just kept going and going and going. And it it's just something that's an experience. And, um, you know, it's something that I'm a little bit afraid to experience again, um, because it's just something like, and I guess that goes with the stigma of everything. It's just like the shame that you feel afterwards, you yeah. know? Um, so yeah, um, that's just, it's just something very interesting to like think about and reflect on, you know, that moment yeah. in your life. I'm glad like I have you to like process it with though because like if I didn't have anybody it would be different <laughs> yeah that's true that's so true <laughs> I feel like I would feel that shame the stigma even more yeah like, but the fact that like you you realize like you're just sick you know like you don't if somebody had a broken arm you wouldn't blame them right and feel guilty about it like you're like okay like let's get it fixed you help them get it fixed but when it comes to mental health there's because of the stigma there there shouldn't be a shame attached to it but there really is and so yeah when I started thinking about it like at first I was shameful about it like all the things I said all the things I did like in front of all these people like there's no inhibitions when you're in mania right like right. it's like I don't care what people think I, I feel good um but as I process it more it's like wait like I can't blame myself for something that I did because I was sick right. so yeah, it took a while to get to that point, but yeah, like it's just to, to matter of factly see it as a sickness, like and something uh, like something that is wrong with your brain that needs some medicine to get back on track. So right, right, yeah, it's just um, like you said, it's like a chem, it's a chemical imbalance in the brain, you know, and it's just like we should treat it just like we treat any other illness or any other injury, you know, it's just an injury in the brain. So, you know, I, I don't get why it's so stigmatized. I think we're getting a little bit better at it, but we're there's still, like, the shame that's attached to it. But we'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, I understand that you actually shared your mental health journey on your blog. Um, you wrote two posts about it, um, one initially and then one on the anniversary of the hospitalization so can you tell me what was it like to share your story and how you decided to do so yeah I think it was scary <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, it, at that point only a couple a few close friends knew about my diagnosis like I didn't tell everybody um so it was kind of scary um but as I like in the aftermath of it there was a couple people that, you know, commented or messaged me and said, like, I'm dealing with something similar, maybe not bipolar, but maybe it was like anxiety or depression. And mm. um, there was a couple that said they, you know, they also have bipolar. But yeah, like they said, you, they hadn't told anybody. And so like, it was inspiring them to like, want to tell people about their story. And so like, I kind of, that's kind of the reason why I even posted it, I think, despite it being a scary thing, was because I knew, like, it 
vulnerability breeds vulnerability. There's a saying that says that. So like, as you, as you share your story, other people are more inclined to share their story. So that's kind of, and if I, if I'm so serious about wanting to end the stigma, like this is a way to do it, right. Is to share my story for, for the people that don't have any, anybody that is going through a mental health crisis, like in their life. And this is just a foreign concept to them. Like this is a, by me sharing my story, this is a way to get them close to somebody so they can like have compassion. They can have empathy that this is not, yeah, that this is just a normal part of life um, right. to go through something like this. And so that's kind of why I wanted, wanted to share, but it definitely was not easy. <laughs> it was scary. Yeah, I can imagine. Cause honestly, you actually inspired me to want to do something like this because I, I mean, at least one of the inspirations for doing this, because I was also scared and like sharing like, oh, man, what are people going to think about me? And I'm just like, with everything going on, like I just graduated college and like future employers and stuff. Will they go back and listen to this? Like all these like fears that I had about sharing. And it's just like you said, it's just vulnerability breeds vulnerability like you sharing your story can also create a pathway for someone to share their story as well so that's something that's very beautiful to see and it also helps you realize that you're not alone you know it's just like you feel like initially you feel like oh man like this is such a big thing like I don't know how I'm gonna get through this but then it's just like you share it and then you find out oh that person also has it like it's also really common like you know it's not as rare as we think it is sometimes so yeah and I'm grateful for like Instagram like I feel like that's connected me some to some people that like as I'm more open like using hashtags and stuff it connects you to people who are like-minded yeah yeah yeah. so you kind of touched on this but what were like the general responses to your article um especially the one where it was like how mental illness brought me closer to god like what were the general responses on that and like were you surprised or like which ones impacted you the most I think I only got positive reviews, so I feel like that's that was shocking to me. <laughs> I, feel, <laughs> I expected the worst, um, and so yeah, I feel like it was either people who were going through something themselves, and they were like, "Thank you for like giving me like, to, thank you for inspiring me to like want to share my story," or it was people who aren't necessarily going through anything, but they they had a new newfound perspective on it. Um, and for people with mental health issues in general. And so um, at the same time, like, I feel like my article also connected to people who are just suffering in general. Like, it spoke to purpose and suffering. And mm-hmm. so, like, I feel like I'm really passionate about that. Like, I feel like American evangelical Christianity, like, it's all about comfort, right? Like, it's all about, like, mm-hmm. everything's going to go well for me. Like, God's going to bless me. But sometimes, like, God's blessing comes in a, a funny package. Like, it comes right. through suffering. And so, like, I feel like I've learned that well through pregnancy. Like, this is a random aside, but, like, I feel like I, my pregnancy is, like, they're healthy, but you're just so, like, beaten down by pregnancy. Like, oh. you're tired all the time. You're, like, yeah. you're, you're growing and it's getting more and more uncomfortable as time goes on. And, like, I feel like um, I've written about this before on my blog as well, but, like, yeah, pregnancy is, like, one of the greatest teachers for suffering. And mm. suffering is one of the ways that we really get dependent on God. And so, yeah, I feel like that's been a theme on my blog as well. It's, like, 
let's not expect life to be easy. Like life is going to always throw us curveballs, but how do we lean into that? How do we lean into the Lord in that? And so, um, I feel like it connected with people on that level. Like even if they weren't dealing with mental health issues or, um, if they weren't, if they didn't have someone in their life that they were, that had mental health issues as well. So yeah, it was really good reviews that were like very encouraging. So nice i'm so happy that you've had positive reviews because honestly that makes all the difference too because it's just like it goes back to that shame narrative where it's just like okay why am i doing this again like why am i sharing my story like and if you get negativity it's just like oh you kind of like shrink back into yourself and you're just like oh maybe i shouldn't have done that but to see that your story has an impact on other people and the way that they live their lives as well, you know, and something you said about comfort and, you know, the expectation in Christianity that everything after you follow Christ is going to be a smooth sail, like there's going to be no issues, no problems, you're just going to have the joy of the Lord all the time. And that's just like not a good picture of Christianity because even Christ suffered, you know, and so it's it's just to be able to have that hope, you know, that anchor, that, you know, that stability to know that just because I'm suffering doesn't mean that this has to be the end, you know? Yeah. And God's not punishing me. I feel like it's a big one. Like, yeah. He's here in it with me. And he, he allowed this, like his sovereignty is something that I've learned through my mental health um, issues is like, God is sovereign, like nothing happens outside of his dominion and like his, his plan. And so like, I can trust him that he's going to bring me out of this and there's going to be a purpose behind this. And like that, that's another reason why I feel like I had peace. Like though it was scary, I had peace sharing my story because it's like, God is still working on me and he, he's going to figure out how this is going to get him the glory. And that's not my job to figure out why is this happening to me? Like, this is so, you know, this is so horrible. Like you have those moments, right. Where it's tough and you're like, I can't go on, but yeah. Like when you realize like, okay, God is sovereign. Like even it even helps with the shame stuff. It's like, Oh, I messed up. Like I said this during my mania or whatever. And you're like, well, God, God can redeem anything. So there's, worry about like there's peace there yeah um I just wanted to read an excerpt from how my mental illness brought me closer to God um because this is so powerful it says as this anniversary hits me there are days when I am tempted to regret or feel shame why didn't I take better care of myself why didn't I reach out for support instead of taking on everything by myself so can you tell me more about that shame and how you dealt with it as you were telling your story? The shame, yeah. I think I, I touched on it already, but um, yeah, there's a lot of regret, like as you, especially like when we talked about mania a lot, but like, I can't believe I said that, like that was so horrible or like, right. like they, I don't, I don't think I mentioned this actually, but like they took me in the, in the ambulance on a like restrained chair kind of thing. Yeah, the gurney. Um, yeah. And so there, that's the word. <laughs> but like, I was getting aggressive with people like I was like, flashing my flashing my arms or whatever you call it. And so um, yeah, like, I, that kind of stuff. I'm like, I can't believe I did that. Like that. That's so horrible. Like the people that I care about that were there for me, like, I was like, acting aggressive towards them. And so 
yeah, that was probably the bigger, the bigger portion of the shame. Like, I don't think just the diagnosis itself, I necessarily felt shame about because like I said, like it's a sickness, but Mm -hmm. like the things that I said and I did during mania, it took me a long time to get over that shame and be like, okay, like, I guess like I can accept it. Like, um, and it took me spending a lot of time in the word. I feel like that was a big one for me, like just washing over my brain with truth instead of the, the lies of the enemy that are, you know, wanting us to keep, to keep us down in shame. Um, I think, uh, just being or surrounding myself with really good people that like, I can share like my struggles with and them like, not just, just not shaming me for it. (laughs) Like them being the ones to be really encouraging about it. Like, well, I'm so proud of you for getting help. I'm so proud of you for X, Y, and Z. Like you're a strong woman, like speaking life over me, like surrounding myself with those kinds of people, um, I think was really important. Um, cause this journey is not meant to be walked alone. And like, I'm talking about everybody, like not just <laughs> right. mental health issues, but I think especially when you have a mental health issue, like you're even more like, um, not, yeah, I would say some like dependent, like you kind of need other people to, to help you because you, you have this, um, condition. And so, um, it takes a lot of humility, I think, um, to ask for help and to know that you need help. Um, but you know, I'm grateful for this process. I feel like I've learned so much about myself through it. I feel like I've learned so much about like how to, um, how to be a friend, how to, um, accept help from friends as well. And so, um, I don't know if that answered your question. How did no, I get over- that, that was definitely yeah. great. Um, okay. and, and just like how you were saying about community, because community is so important, especially in dealing with like mental health issues, because you are a little more vulnerable, you are a little bit more dependent on others. And it's just being strong enough to go out there and seek help. Because a lot of the times we like to depict like therapy or therapeutic practices or anything that will help you get better we like to view it as a weakness it's like oh I don't want to be labeled as crazy I don't want to be labeled as you know having a mental illness but it's just like just like you go to the doctor for a cold or just like you go to the emergency room if you broke your leg like going to therapy is the same thing so you know what you said about community is really very important and you know, people need to realize that we need each other, you know, we can't just go through this by ourselves. And you mentioned it earlier, like, you're glad you have somebody to process this with, because it is a process. And so many times we miss out on greater bonds that we can have with each other, because we're so busy worrying about what other people think, or the labels, or even the stigma. So that's, that's just very important. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned therapy. I don't know how I forgot that. <laughs> I definitely went to therapy, like, especially in the beginning. Like, they're more spaced out now because I feel like I've gotten more stable. But, yeah, like, therapy helped me a lot because they even helped me get over, like, way past things, like, from childhood, like, yeah. that I didn't know was still affecting me. So therapy works and therapy helps for sure. Yeah, so um, as we get into our final question... Um, do you have any, like, advice for anyone who's thinking about sharing their story or for their mental health journey in general? Advice. Um, 
I'm not an expert, so I feel like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I'm just my own, I'm just sharing my own weaknesses and my own mistakes. Um, Hopefully that helps people. But I think um, advice, I think we talked a lot about it, but like surround yourself with good people. Like I think community Mm -hmm. really is the key here. Like this is something that really humbles you um, because you can't do it by yourself. Like we, you know, Sarah mentioned a lot about that, but it's something that is so, I keep saying humbling because it's just so true. Like, I feel like it's so, um, it reminds you that you're human. (laughs) And I think before that this happened, before my mania happened and, and before the diagnosis came, like, I really thought I was superhuman. Like, I really thought I could just keep going and like, keep pushing and keep, you know, like, trying to be invincible. And like, nobody's like that, like, nobody can do it on their own. And so I feel like my advice is just like, who try to analyze who, who are those people that you can invest in, and that you know, will like invest back into you as well? Like, who are those peer relationships? Because I feel like prior to my diagnosis, I helped people a lot, like, people came to me for advice all the time people came to me for like I'm going through this and like will you help me through this crisis and I feel like you don't have to be a minister to be in that same like predicament of like Mm -hmm. people are always taking from you Mm -hmm. but um I feel like you can you allow that it's a boundary issue like you need to um allow yourself to be free and to, to have those people that you could just be free with um, and be yourself with and that aren't trying to take from you, but they're also giving back to you. Um, so just true peer friendships, I feel like is me and even mentorships are important, like people that you could look up to. Um, but yeah, how do you make sure that you're not alienating yourself? Cause I feel like that's a lot of what happens, like when the shame comes in, when, mm. when it, when it comes in of like, well, I should be stronger, everything that Sarah said earlier, like, um, yeah, like, how do you, what are the, what are your tactics to push up against that, to make sure that you're getting help from other people? And um, I mean, we talked about therapy, I think therapy is so, so important when you have, like, I think it's important for anybody. (laughs) But (laughs) I think it's extra important when you have like, when your brain is a little bit sick, uh, which is, which is all that this is like, it's yeah. brain sickness. I don't know why, when you call it mental health sickness, like it becomes like this thing that, well, maybe you're just making it up. Maybe you're, you're just yeah. looking into it. and it's like, no, like it's a real thing that people really deal with. And it's, it's just a um, physiological thing for, especially people with bipolar disorder. Like right. it's, yeah. Like I was reading in a book that, um, it's something along the lines of like most brains are able to like kind of pick themselves up after like intense emotion hit you. But when you have bipolar, you're, you have like a broken thermostat. Like it's hard for you to recover Uh, like intense, intense emotions. And it's like, that's good. Yeah. It's like an aha moment for me. Like, I feel like throughout my life, I probably dealt with that and it wasn't diagnosed, but yeah, there's, there's a, physiological reason for that and um that's why i take medication that's why i'm also like i'm encouraging like you i think another part of my advice is like don't be afraid of medication like Mm. and it might take time to find like the right amount and the right one but 
especially if you have bipolar disorder, don't be afraid of the medication. Cause my doctor also explained to me in that, like, if you had high blood pressure, you know, you take high blood pressure medicine so you can kind of avoid having the high blood pressure. And yeah. I think for, with bipolar disorder, like our main goal is to like take care of ourselves so that we're not, um, we don't have another manic episode. That's kind of the goal. Like, um, Sarah, you mentioned that, like, th- that's something you definitely don't want to go through again. Right. Um, like that's the reason why even if you feel good you're taking the medicine is because you you want to keep yourself like in a stable place and so yeah and then i think one last piece of advice is really like self-care and taking care of your body like that's something that i've learned throughout all this is like i didn't used to exercise i did not i didn't grow up being very athletic in general i didn't play um, sports or anything but i feel like now that i'm like it's only twice a week that I exercise and something like maybe like 20 minutes, but like, and I'd like to grow in that, but I feel like I've, I've helped, it's helped me like in the de-stressing portion of self-care of like, okay. And another good thing is like, it gets you out of your head for like 20 minutes. Yeah. Take care of your, your body, I think is a, is another thing Um, through diet, through exercise. That's something that I've learned is a really important part, um, especially with bipolar disorder, but I'm sure it helps with other mental disorders as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Marilette, for joining me today. And um, I hope you guys tune in for more empowering episodes on Rough Edges. Thank you for listening to Rough Edges. Feel free to follow this podcast on Instagram at rough.edges.podcast or visit my blog at sarahifox.com. If you have any questions or further suggestions on how to make this podcast grow, you can email at rough.edges.podcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening and have a wonderful day.